are we doing? David, Amy, and I found ourselves in an open cage man basket, being lowered by a crane into a deep tunnel shaft. We were staring at a large tunnel opening in an underground world of muck boots, ventilation, pipes, and nonstop noise. You're listening to The Outfall, where we share unique stories behind our water world and infrastructure. I'm Robert Osborne. We're going underground. That's right. On this show to hear firsthand from the people who help design tunnels and the equipment that make it possible. As always, we discovered more than we thought we would. You'll hear some stories from an underground profession ruled by geology, massive machines, and above all, passion. Now let's go back into that tunnel. We're walking into this 11 foot diameter excavated tunnel that will eventually be over a mile long. You know, it's big. The tunnel's being designed to convey peak wet weather wastewater flow for Rewall, a regional sewer provider in the upstate of South Carolina. You know, 100 feet above us is the city of Greenville. And many really have no clue we're under their feet. So how did this tunnel come about? We started looking at this, I guess, maybe like 2014. We just knew that we needed more capacity through downtown. We knew the tunnel would be one of the options we looked at, but we also looked at a multitude, I think uh, as many as 18 different alternatives, including just typical open-cut gravity sewer like we would anywhere else. That would have been through Falls Park and through a real high-impact area, obviously. But we also looked at building a treatment plant somewhere in the area, building storage, um, you know, storage tanks, like what drove us to, to select the tunnel option, I guess, one, the ability to, you know, once we do this, this will be what we need in the, for this corridor for, you know, 50 or 100 years versus, you know, some of these other options we might have to, you know, it would fix it for 20 years, but then we got to go back and do something else after that. So this is Jason Gillespie, the Rewall project manager for the project. After we walk further into the tunnel, the light from the shaft is replaced with overhead lights and you realize the raw rock. I was struck by the thought that no one's ever seen or felt this rock, ever. None of us are geologists, but luckily our tour guide is. This was one of the more interesting sections. You can see the more or less sub-horizontal banding in the rock and it's, it's truncated by these white, light-colored intrusions of granitic material. Based on some other observations a little farther down, it looks like these white intrusions may have been fault-controlled. So a long time ago, all this rock was shifting back and forth along fault zones, fault lines. But for the most part, all of those structural features are what we call healed. They're not active or they don't form a discontinuity that creates any kind of issue for the mining operation. This is Ori Parker, who has a PhD in geology and is a resident project representative for Black & Veatch. Now, if you didn't understand everything about that geology discussion, that's okay. But the point here for all of us is that geology is everything when you're working underground. And we'll learn a little bit more later. We continue to walk and then we see it. The tunnel boring machine or TBM. You can't talk about a TBM without mentioning how massive they are. And you know, there's, there's another rule. You've got to use as many numbers as possible. So let's go ahead. Let's let's get this out of the way. This TBM weighs over 260,000 pounds and measures 249 feet in length. 
Now that's equivalent to about 17 car lengths. Massive, right? So we quizzed Ori on the operation of the TBM. The TBM has what's called gripper pads on the back. And so they engage with the rock uh, and allows the TBM to kind of push forward. And when it, when it mines, the, what's called the stroke of the advance is uh, four feet, a little over four feet. So once, it, it, once the cutter head pushes out uh, four feet, the, the grippers retract and then it pulls itself forward. So that's kind of how it, it inches, inches down the tunnel. The machine's 11 feet in diameter. It's got a rotating cutter head on the front. On the cutter head, there's 24, uh, what are called disc cutters. They weigh about 200, 300 pounds, so they're pretty sizable. And as the entire cutter head spinning, those uh, disc cutters are also able to rotate. They're essentially cutting the rock. And they do wear out every couple weeks. And so the, the contractor is constantly uh, inspecting the cutter head for wear and they replace them. They pull them out of the machine. Uh, they actually have to crawl up to the front between that, the tunnel face and the machine and extract them by hand. So that, that's another labor-intensive labor uh, operation. They've got to kind of find that balance between production and keeping the cutters, I guess, the right level of wear. We'll post a great animation in our show notes for this, but as the TBM advances, a conveyor belt transports rock back to a locomotive connected to muck cars. The locomotive then hauls this rock back to the shaft for removal. You know, this TBM can advance at rates of 50 feet per day. One thing we all found interesting about TBMs is that they all usually have names. And what we found was that long ago, miners refused to work with equipment that was not named and often chose to honor their mothers, daughters, or wives through equipment naming. Now, Jenny Craft, one of our podcast friends, was surprised and humbled early in her career with this tradition. We had a groundbreaking ceremony for, I think it was phase two of the project, the Ashley River Tunnel section. Each section of the tunnel had a name and it was a separate project. And so we had a groundbreaking ceremony and the tunnel boring machine was there. We had a tent set up and we had a bunch of, of people there. And it was a nice celebration because it was a huge project, lots of money, lots of time and effort. And it's not something that people usually think about or celebrate. You know, I mean, a sewer tunnel who would ever be able to visualize that or think about the importance of it? And so we thought, how cool would it be to have, you know, the tunnel boring machine there as a backdrop? And I don't remember, really remember how it came about that the machine was named Miss Jenny, but it was. And I remember being kind of surprised by that because I don't believe they told me. Um, and we got there and there's this big tunnel boring machine. I think it was on a flatbed truck. I've got a picture of it. But anyway, there's this big TPM there with all the, you know, the little knobby parts on the end and, and it had Miss Jenny. And it was just a really, it was a very cool thing. And I was honored because the engineers and everyone on the project, they were really great to work with. They were very open to the communication side of the project in terms of reaching out to the local community because it was quite a big impact at some of the construction sites associated. With After our tour, to understand a little more about TBMs, we went straight to the source. We talked to Brad Grothen, 
who's the technical director with the Robbins Company. Robbins Company has been making TBMs since the early 1950s. He explained to us how knowing the geology controls the type of TBMs to be used. Really, it's it's refining the machine design to and matching it to the project so it's the most efficient for the entire project, not just, hey, can it go fast in this one particular situation? Great car analogy is, hey, I, I have this Formula One car, but as soon as I hit the gravel road section, I'm out of luck. So <laughs> design the SUV to go over the pavement pretty fast and then still be able to go over uh, the pothole gravel section. Every project's different and it gets refined. Uh, our machines are rebuilt quite a few times but not the whole machine, right? So I'm gonna take components or the core of this machine and make it a little bit bigger and then put it on this different project. But we definitely do have like whole machines that the contractors just hold on. Sometimes they get sold back to us depending on the contractor. Some of the times they just hold on to that machine and they'll just apply it job after job. We had a machine in the Faroe Islands that they literally it just stayed in the Faroe Islands for years and years and years. And every time that they had a, a project, they designed the project around the machine that was sitting there. Tunnel construction's growing throughout the world. Even Elon Musk, yes, the Elon Musk, is getting into the tunnel scene with his venture, The Boring Company, promising to increase tunneling speeds and reduce costs. Elon Musk does a good job of creating excitement around stuff. You know, he, he's created, at the end of the day, excitement around tunneling, which is great. I mean, it's good for the industry. I'm, I'm going to view it as, as positive. And how much is he going to actually change things? Eh, probably not a lot. But uh, I think it will pull interest into it. And even if I look at a, a big tunneling project, because tunneling actually is pretty, you know, on these infrastructure projects, you look at the amount of time that it, and uh, cost just with the tunnel, it's not as much as you might think. What drives the cost is things like stations or, and even the schedule, a lot of it is, because these projects can take 15 years to develop, right? They take a long time. It's environmental reviews, it's owners, it, you know, it's all these different aspects that drive the schedule, not really the tunneling. So even bringing, let's say appreciation of, hey, these are things that have to occur you know, how can we push some of that through? And that comes with awareness to the general populace. So greater awareness, I think he definitely has done that. And so that's good. Overall, I think it, it's a very competitive industry, but there's still, especially in the developing world, uh, there's a lot of need for, for tunnels. We're, we just put the first TBM into, into Nepal, that project finished up probably last year it broke through and india is a very you know you have all these big cities coming in especially in the developing world for for tunnels so i would say yeah it's it's definitely a a growing industry while this construction is unseen to most of the world david amy and i witnessed a high degree of passion steve o'connell a tunnel project manager with black and veach has dedicated his career to this profession and shared this remarkable story of cremated remains, which is further proof of this passion. Well, we had a, um, someone who used to work for Black & Veatch, uh, James McKelvey. He was a, he was actually one of my mentors and Ori knew him really well too. He worked in Charleston and he passed away probably five or six years ago now, but he, he dedicated his whole profession to tunnels and had a really, really good relationship with Charleston Water System. And 
when he passed away in his will was he wanted his remains to be dumped into the Charleston sewers tunnel system. If we decided to see with his wife, we made a, uh, a man cave in one of the tunnels. Uh, we dug like this little cubby hole and we put his remains in this man cave with like some of his favorite things from life, which happened to be Coke and number two pencils. So that went in there with it. And uh, yeah, so that'll be in there forever. Thanks again to our guests today, Jason Gillespie, Ori Parker, Steve O'Connell, Brad Grothen, and Jenny Kraft. Also, special thanks for Rewa for organizing our tour. We also have a link to Rewa's Dig Greenville project. If you'd like to see some pictures of the tunnel visit, we've embedded that to our episodes page at theoutfall.com. Finally, when you think about someone who has passion, who do you think of? All right, just stop. Think of someone in our industry that's passionate. If you think we should do a story on this person, tell us. You can chat with us by writing to us at theoutfall.com. Thanks for listening. 